Good morning. Merry Christmas to all of you here and those watching. Hope you guys had a wonderful time with the family and were able to just enjoy that fellowship with one another. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and, uh, and, um, and today's sermon title is Advent Love, and we'll be finishing up our, our sermon series on the Advent. And then next week, which will be a new year, we'll start the book of Philippians. Love comes first in the fruit of the Spirit because love is the primary fruit of the Spirit. It is the most important fruit of the Spirit and encompasses all the rest. Love comes last because love is also the most important of these. And in Advent, we are working our way towards the most important aspects of Christmas, which is God's love for us in Christ. We will be looking at a number of scriptures this morning relating to love at Christmas. But we will start with this passage in Matthew chapter 1 right now. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 through 21. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall name, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning that God would speak to us. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning asking you, Lord, to speak to us this morning through your word. Lord, as we um, remember Chris, Christmas, Lord, the significance of it, Lord, and ultimately that you loved us, Lord. You sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, Lord and that we are made right because of Christ, Lord. And we just, I just pray that we would be able to focus today on the topic and the theme of love, and that we would um, be able to love one another, Lord, and ultimately love you, Lord, as you've loved us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As we have seen, hope is an important part of the Christmas story. Peace is an important part of the Christmas story. Joy is an important part of the Christmas story. But now we come to love. And love is the most important of all. The Christmas story is about love. And so we're going to look at four aspects of love at Christmas this morning. We will look at Joseph's love for Mary. We will look at Mary's love for Jesus. We will look at God's love for sinners and our love for one another. There would be no Christmas without love. And all four of these are important parts of the Christmas story. So let's begin with Joseph's love for Mary. An incredibly important part of the Christmas story. You might say, well, of course he loved Mary. They were engaged. And yes, they were engaged to be married, but that didn't necessarily mean that Joseph loved her. In that day and time, people often got married for reasons other than love. And there's other parts of the world today where they still do this to this very day. 
Marriages were typically, typically arranged by spouses' parents. Many times marriage was viewed more as a social or economic relationship rather than a romantically based one. So how do we know Joseph loved Mary? How do we know that? We know because of his response when Mary was found to be pregnant during the engagement. Before they were married, before they had come together as husband and wife, as far as Joseph knew, Mary had been unfaithful to him and slept with another man. Joseph must have felt completely betrayed by this and would have every right to be angry and upset with her. Now, Joseph had many, had several options here. What would Joseph do? What would you do if you were in Joseph's shoes? But Joseph loved Mary. He would go ahead and marry her anyways, knowing that the child wasn't his own. However, that would have gone against his convictions as a man committed to God and God's ways. No matter how much he loved Mary, he needed to put his relationship with God first. He could have dragged her before the tribunal and had her tried for adultery. This would have been a vindictive move. At the very least, Mary would be publicly disgraced or even worse, she could be sentenced by death by stoning. But what did Joseph do instead? We read that in Matthew 1, 18 through 19. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't that he, she was with another man. It was through the Holy Spirit, through God himself. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her publicly to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph chose a third option. Instead of marrying her in defiance of God's commands, instead of bringing her before the judges in an act of revenge, he thought about what was best for Mary in, in this situation. And, also, and so he decided rather than to expose her publicly in disgrace, he would divorce her quietly, just kind of, you know, without anybody knowing. Sure, people would still know and talk about her. That was unavoidable, but at least she wouldn't go through the public humiliation of a trial, which people back then were harsh, and they would, it would cost her her life. She would be stoned if, if she was to be brought before the trial. Joseph had several options open to him, and he chose the way of love. He chose the way that would bring the least amount of shame and attention to Mary. Love always protects, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. And Joseph chose to protect Mary even when he thought she had been unfaithful to him. Joseph's love for Mary is our first example of love at Christmas. Second one is Mary's love for Jesus. And the secondly, we have Mary's love for Jesus. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We've read that. We've heard that a lot of times during Christmas. This is, of course, the center of the Christmas story, the actual birth of Christ that first Christmas Eve. Mary gives birth to her firstborn, a son, she tenderly wraps him in a swaddling cloth and lays him in the manger. 
There is a natural love between every mother and the child she bears. Is it not that way, mothers? The child has been inside her for months. She has given life to this child. For nine months, she has nourished the child with her own body. She has felt every move, every kick, every churn. She has dreamed and imagined what this child would look like. She has gone through the long months of pregnancy, the hard sacrifice of labor, the excruciating pain of childbirth, and now she holds her newborn child in her arms. How could she not love this beautiful new human being who has come from her own body? Mary's love for Jesus is also in, indicated in other ways by Scripture. For example, after the shepherds visited Joseph and Mary and then went into the town spreading the word about Jesus, we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What does that mean? The word treasured, the word treasured, here is translated in verse 19, is a word that means to preserve, to keep in mind, or even to keep thinking about something so that, it won't, so that you won't forget it. The word translated ponder is a word that means to bring together, to think deeply or reflect on something. Together these words tell us that Mary didn't want to lose a single memory of, what, of all that happened that night. She kept running through the events over and over again in her mind so she wouldn't forget. She thought deeply about these happenings, bringing all the individual memories together and wondering what it, what it could all mean. Mary's love for Jesus was reflected in her very thoughts about him. Her thoughts were captive to Christ. And that's how we should be. We, our thoughts should be captive to Christ like Mary's were. And she made every effort to remember every detail as she sought to understand the meaning of his birth. I ask you guys, do you guys understand the meaning of Christ's birth? The significance of it? Her love for Jesus is also revealed by the words of Simeon, who spoke over Jesus and Mary in the temple. We've met Simeon before in this Advent series. Simeon. God had promised him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. God's spirit moved Simeon to enter the temple courts just as Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus into the temple to present him to the Lord. Simeon took Jesus into his arms and prophesied over him, and we looked at that prophecy earlier in this series. But then Simeon also spoke to Mary. We read about this in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken again so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In effect, Simeon told Mary that there were difficult days ahead for her son Jesus. Mary didn't know how difficult at that time but Simeon gave her a forewarning when he told her that a sword would pierce her own soul too. True to this word of prophecy, Mary suffered greatly as Jesus grew to be a man. Jesus was no ordinary son. He belonged first to his heavenly father as he reminded Mary in the temple when he was 12 years old. Luke chapter 2 verse 49 and 50. He operated on his own timetable, not hers, as he made clear to her at the wedding in Cana, in John chapter 2, verse 4. 
When Jesus' ministry attracted such great numbers that he and his disciples could not even eat, his family thought that he was out of his mind and went to take charge of him. And when it came for time for Jesus to die, Mary was there at the cross. John tells us that she was near at the cross and she watched her son suffer and die in shame. John chapter 19, verse 25. So yes, Simeon's words were very absolutely and brutally, and brutally true. A sword would pierce Mary's own soul too. Why? Because her son was destined to suffer and die and she loved her son deeply. That's the second aspect of love that is part of the Christmas story. Mary's love for Jesus. And this brings us to the third aspect of love at Christmas, which is highly, highly important. Actually, it's the heart of the Christmas story. God's love for sinners. God's love for sinners. The Christmas story is about love. Joseph's love for Mary and Mary's love for Jesus are both important parts of the story, but they are not the most important. The central message of love at Christmas is God's love for sinners. Amen? Which we are, sinners. This is evident from the angel's word to Joseph about Mary in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, 121. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Have you ever wondered what does Jesus mean? What's that name mean? It says right there. Because he will save people from their sins. Why was Jesus born into our world at Christmas? It's all in his name. The name Jesus means savior or salvation. And Jesus was born into our world to save his people from their sins. We read in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, which is, we all have it memorized. We all know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him the greatest gift ever given at Christmas was the gift of God's own son you might be a parent a mom and a dad and you must have given your you might have given your children this amazing awesome gift maybe this Christmas or Christmas in the past and they were like man dad mom you're the greatest for giving me that gift but the greatest is God. He's given us the greatest gift that we could ever need and want. And that is his son. The greatest gift ever given at Christmas was the gift of God's own son. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus did not merely come into the world. He, he was sent into the world on a mission God the Father sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you ever doubt that God loves you, and sometimes we battle that in our hearts and our minds, does God love me? And you've been a Christian for years, and you're wondering, I keep messing up, I keep sinning, I keep failing God, but does he really love me? Look at Jesus, the child born in the world, in the world as a baby at Christmas. Look at Jesus, the man teaching the people preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Look at Jesus, the Savior, suffering and dying on the cross for your sins to bring you 
to God. Look at Jesus, the king, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, coming back for you to take you with, to be with him so that you may also be where he is forever. The point is, if you're doubting, look to Jesus, the gospel, the good news of what God has done for you and for me. That's where we get our confidence in, not in our own selves, but in Christ. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love for you in Christ. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love for you in Christ. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Let's have that confidence, that assurance that God's love for you is great. And not because you're because of what you've done, it's because of what Christ has done. This Christmas story is all about love, but the most important part of the story is God's love for sinners. God so loved the world, he gave his son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. And the fourth one is our love for one another, our love for one another. We've looked at Joseph's love for Mary, Mary's love for Jesus, and God's love for sinners, but there's one more aspect of love at Christmas that we do not want to leave out, and that is the, our love for one another. The Bible makes it a clear and unbreakable connection between God's love for us and our love for one another, or for each other. We read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When you experience God's love in your life, you're going to love other people around you. It's going to be natural because you experience that love of God that has changed you, that has transformed you. Notice God's love comes first. God's love comes first. God's love always comes first. God's love in creating the world, this world that we live in, God created it. God's love in promising a Savior. God's love in sending His Son into the world. God's love in Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It all starts with God's love. God's love always comes first, but then our love should be followed. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4, 11. Our love for others should follow, not merely as an obligation, not because we have to, but as a natural outflow of God's love for us. If God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, how can you not love others in return? And if God loved others so much that he sent his son to die for them, how can you not love them as well? And so Christmas is not only a reminder of how much God loves you, but also how much you should love one other people, one another. Is there someone you need to help this Christmas, during this season 
of Christmas? Is there someone you need to reach out to this Christmas? Is there someone you need to forgive this Christmas? Someone who's offended you, someone who's sinned against you, do you need to forgive them? God showed his love for us at Christmas by sending his son into the world as a sacrifice for our sins. How will you show your love to others this Christmas? There is no real hope without Christ. There's real no hope without Christ, you guys. And we remember we looked at hope as a first four weeks ago. Hope was the first advent, advent hope. Christmas is all about hope because it's all about Christ. Because God sent his son into the world, you and I have hope. We have hope for today because Christ is with us. We have hope for tomorrow because Christ will never leave us. And we have hope for eternity because Christ is coming back to take us to be with him forever. Too many people live without hope today because they live without Christ. So if you're living without Christ, then you really have no hope. But if you have Christ, you do have hope. And, that's, and so that's the first reason Jesus is the center of Christmas. Because all real hope is found in him. There is no real hope without Christ. There's no real peace without Christ. We've also looked at the advent of peace. Our world is sadly lacking peace today because our world is lacking Christ. The religious leaders of this world won't bring you peace. So you may go... The political leaders of this world won't bring you peace. The pop psychologists of this world won't bring you peace. All the drugs and medication in this world will not bring you real peace. Only Jesus brings, brings true and lasting peace. Amen? He is the prince of peace. He is the savior who came to bring peace between you and God. He is coming. He is the coming king who comes to reign in peace over all the earth. The angels who announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds out in the field sang songs of peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. And so that's the second reason Jesus is the center of Christmas, because Jesus brings peace. There is no real peace without Christ. Third, there's no real joy without Christ. We've also had the advent of joy. We went through it. The advent of joy. This world offers a lot of entertainment, a lot of excitement, a lot of thrills, but very little joy. Joy is deeper than happiness. Happiness is temporary and dependent on circumstances. But Jesus offers you a joy that transcends your circumstances. Christmas is not always a happy time for people. There's a lot of people right now during this Christmas time that are not happy. They have family members in the hospital, family members who have passed away. They're having a hard time feeding their family, paying the bills. Their circumstances right now are not happy. This is a reality. Maybe you're living in a time right now where you're not happy. You're actually sad, you're depressed, you're anxious. So if someone's lost someone close to them that they love, they're not going to be happy. But Jesus offers you a joy that will sustain you even in your deepest 
sorrows. And that's the life of a Christian that we got to be reminded of, that we will go through deep sorrow in our life. True joy doesn't mean you will never be sad. It means that even in your saddest hours, God is with you. You can trust him, and therefore you can have joy. And so that is the third reason Jesus is the center of Christmas, because Jesus brings a joy that is deeper than happiness. And even deeper than our sorrows, there is no real joy without Christ. And then I just pretty much shared about love. There is no real love without Christ. Today's sermon is on love, Advent love. When we say that there is no real love without Christ, we're not saying that you can't love your family or be loving towards others unless you're a Christian. There are many people who do not follow Christ who are still very loving people, but what we're saying is this. We're whether you realize it or not, your love for others is only possible because of Jesus. Because Jesus is the Son of God and you cannot experience or express fullness of love without Christ. The Bible tells that God is love and that all love comes from God. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. Before God ever created the world, there was God and there was love. God loved his son Jesus and Jesus loved God the Father. God and Jesus both loved the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit loved the Father and the Son. God is love because from all of eternity, there has always been a perfect relationship between the three persons of the Trinity. One God Three persons in a perfect relationship of harmony and love. When God created the world, that love God had for himself in the persons of the Trinity spilled onto us. It's like tracing a stream back to its source. You, like, you hike through the woods following the stream for hours until you find the lake or spring that is feeding the stream. When you see any act or expression of love in this world and you trace it back to the source, you will always find God. God is the source of all love in this world. Every act of love in this world finds its source in Him. God is love and all love comes from Him. The story of Christmas is all about love. Because Christmas is all about Jesus. The Bible says this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son in an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. The baby born in Bethlehem grew up to be a man. He lived a perfect life with no sin. He was perfect. He went to the cross and died a horrible death. And the Bible tells us why he did all this. He did it for you and for me. God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he died. And that's why he rose again so he could be the savior forever and rescue us from sin and Satan 
and death. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, and that's the ultimate reason. And Jesus is the center of Christmas. Because God is love, and all love comes from him. There is no real love without Christ. So we all want hope, right? We all want peace. We all want joy and love. But some people seem to want them without Jesus. Hmm. It's like wanting the light, right? The warmth, the scent, and the crackling of the fire in the fireplace without the fire. Can't have that. Doesn't work that way. Just as the fire is central to all the good things about the fire, so Christ is central to Christmas. Hope, peace, joy, and love come from him. He is the center and we only enjoy the good things of Christmas because of him. Remember that Christ is central. He is the reason for Christmas. He is the one who brings true hope, peace, joy, and love for all of us. And so let us draw near to him to worship, to praise, to follow, and believe. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. He is Christ the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Christ this morning, Lord, because you've sent your only begotten Son, Lord, to this world, Lord, as a baby, Lord, to live a perfect life, the life we did not live, Lord, and to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. We are sinners, Lord. You have loved us sinners by sending your Son, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that we would be able, Lord, to just absorb, to reflect on the love that you have for us, Lord, and that in that same way we would be able to love others, Lord, love our family, love our neighbors, love the people around us, Lord, with the love that you've shown to us, Lord. Let us continue, Lord, to just be thankful, Lord, for all the blessings that we do have, Lord, and even if we're going through trials, tribulations, hardships, suffering right now, Lord, in the midst of this time, I pray, Lord, that our faith may be standing strong on Christ, Lord, and that you would uh, help us get through these times, Lord, and know that you do love us and care for us, Lord, and, and you will get us through all these things, Lord. We pray all this in your son Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen.